welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Today, our guest is Carl Blackstone, who's the CEO of the Columbia Chamber of Commerce. And we get into a lot of different things, everything from census data and what we need to learn from that or, or some of the things that we, we need to draw conclusions from. We talk about what it's like to have customers that have thousands of employees and customers that are brand new businesses. And we also talk about some of Carl's recipes, if you will, for communities that serve business as well and that are great places to live and to work. Check it out. Carl, thanks for sitting down with us. We've got, uh, you're, you're the um, CEO of the Columbia Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, I'm looking forward to this conversation because a lot of times we're talking to, to business owners of individual businesses, but your business, if you will, in terms of what you represent is about other businesses. And I think, you know, rather than, you know, people can go to your website at, at the Columbia Chamber and kind of find out a little more of what you're doing specifically. But one of the things that, I was curious about is when we talk to business owners and, and they're thinking about how to how to serve their customers, you guys have customers that range in size from multi-thousand person organizations like a hospital system or, or a large insurer, all the way to that new business that opened up downtown with a few employees. When you're thinking about how to how to serve those types of, of, of uh, members and everyone in between, how do you guys make decisions on what to do for certain uh, clients, customers, if you will? How do you, how do you how do you guys uh, uh, market that? Well, I will tell you, you you hit the biggest challenge that we have. And so, one, thanks for having me. But two, you know, it took me a little bit of time when I was there to realize that we have two types of customers. If so we want to put them in different buckets, we have two different types of customers. We have a customer that wants something from us, and then something. Uh, another bucket is those that want something through us. Interesting. And and so it, it's a way to high level is just say, look, we have to piecemeal it. And, and for us, meeting expectations and setting expectations are the biggest challenge for us. We have, as you mentioned, the big businesses, they don't need me to help market their company. Mm -hmm. They don't need the network and do all those things, mm -hmm. but they need us to help them with their public policy uh, needs and, and making sure that the atmosphere and the ecosystem is better for businesses here in the Midlands. But you do have those small guys that need us as an extension of their employment base, basically mm -hmm. to say, we need help networking and we need help marketing our business and we need to learn expertise and so we can do lunch and learns or we can have business after hours that allow them to come and network and meet people and, and to uh, more or less market their industry and their, and their product. So it's it's hard to, to meet all those challenges. It's a good problem to have, uh, but it's something we have to constantly work on and to perfect. I don't say we have it right by any stretch, mm -hmm. but it's constantly moving. And so where we see the most need, though, are those small business guys that just need help and support. They need, hey, Carl, who, who do we need to call the city if we have a problem here? Or do you know somebody that is in this line of work that could help me figure something out? Mm -hmm. So it's connecting dots sure. um, a lot of times. But uh, we're going to keep working on trying to perfect it. Uh, we'll get it right maybe one day. But uh it is it's a constant battle. Could you talk a little more about? I, I like how you sort of differentiated the, you know, working through and then and then getting from. 
could you could you help us understand a little more about working working through what yeah. that looks like, and then let's turn and, yeah. and look a little more in depth at, at getting from. So, again, the big businesses that have multiple offices around the country, they have staff for everybody uh, for everything, and and they have enough resources that they need something to get it. Mm-hmm. What they don't have necessarily is uh, a, a, their pulse on what's happening on a day-to-day operational standpoint in a city, the county, school board, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we can help more or less the government affairs side of the equation, uh, help them understand, Keep our fa- we keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, it could be a company that has a direct involvement with Fort Jackson and they want to stay apprised of what's going on at the base uh, because that's a huge uh, employer here in this community mm-hmm. um, and brings a lot of dollars. And so it could be a hotel chain that just that every week they have people stay at their hotel for Fort Jackson. So they want as they don't need us to market them or to help them, but they need to, we are a resource for them. So they, they use us for that one little niche. Mm-hmm. It's the smaller companies, the mom and pops, the single store operators that typically are the ones that some, need something more from us. Okay. And and we can help be, uh, it's case by case in a lot of ways. It could help them through a zoning issue or a sign issue or, or just help navigate uh, employment issues and find them the right people to help them in a specific need. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it all depends. Every day is different, which is fun. And uh, every business has a need that may be different. But but if you find a root cause from the smaller companies uh, that need something from us, it is just getting their network out and then getting uh, finding an opportunity for them to meet other people. Prior to doing this work, I mean, what what what's in your your professional background that kind of helped <laughs> you determine kind of that that di- differentiated way of serving people or helping to to make those connections? I guess it's more of my simple-mindedness more than anything. Um, I'm a recovering lobbyist, and so figuring out who needs what and how to do things, it was more or less I needed to simplify it in my mind of how do we run the gamut? How do we fulfill those expectations that the companies have? And we represent about 1,000 businesses in the Midlands. So how do we make sure that we're meeting their needs? Because if they're not satisfied with what we're offering, then they're going they're going to walk. Sure. So we've got to make sure that that ROI is there, and uh, so simplify it and put it into buckets would help me the most. Mm-hmm. And and it, again, there's an eighty twenty rule in everything. Here, the eighty percent of the time is spent. We really need to focus on the smaller businesses because that's really is the building blocks of a great, successful community is having a bunch of small businesses. Well, and speaking of, of community, I think, you know, as we're sitting here in sort of mid-August of, of 2021, um, uh, the, the census data is now, we're being made more aware of what that data is. And I think there's still a little more to come, but some of the, the numbers have come out and, and com- what's going on in communities. Um, to what extent do you guys pay attention to those statistics um you know what what are you able to glean from it kind of at a, at a glance right now knowing again there's more to come but does that matter to to your work to all those mm-hmm. folks that you the thousand businesses that you guys are serving yeah it, it does for a couple of reasons um i think the biggest issue for me is the trends 
right? For okay. for a ten year trend of where what's happening in the Midlands as it relates to other parts of South Carolina, uh, other parts of the country. Obviously, the South is going off the charts, which is good. Uh, our growth has been somewhat muted uh, relative to other parts of um, of South Carolina. Of course, you're seeing unbelievable growth along the coast, in the upstate, even pockets here in the Midlands have seen tremendous growth, Chapin, Blythewood. But you're seeing stagnant numbers in some parts. And so why is that? It's like a big onion. You just got to keep peeling and trying to figure out why. Mm-hmm. And, and it matters because the services that are needed in these communities, uh, schools, and, and quite frankly, schools are driving a lot of the the fluctuations in in, uh, in mobility within the census numbers. I mean, Blythewood has seen exponential growth, but if you ask the why, they're moving out there for, for schools, shaping the same reason. So um, what is it about downtown that we need to really focus on? Why? We've seen an 8% growth in Richland County, which is okay, uh, but it's a lot smaller than other peer counties. Greenville and Charleston have just been on fire. Mm-hmm. So why is that? But it also, again, you look at the numbers from an economic development standpoint, job growth of the last 10 years in these markets, they mirror each other. And so that, that you, you keep having to connect the dots, right? The census numbers by themselves don't tell the story. You got to also look at the other pieces that make up that story. Knowing what you, you know from from serving the thousand plus businesses that that you guys serve out of the out of the chamber, is it is it possible to make a great to create a great place to have a business and to work and to live, or do you really just have to focus on on one of those? No, it, it, there is having a a thriving community really is like a great pot of vegetable soup. Mm-hmm. You just got to have a bunch of good ingredients. One ingredient is not going to do it. And so if you you got to have great schools, you got to have a safe community, you got to have great roads, you got to have a beautiful place to, to, to live. You got to have amenities that people want to be close to. Mm-hmm. We have more assets in this community than any community that I know of. I mean, it's phenomenal what we have to offer here in Columbia and the greater Columbia area. I, the fact that we have three interstates, the fact that we're 100 miles from the beach or the mountains, we're, proximity is everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a university here that's phenomenal with number one business school and the number one honors program in the country. Those are great assets to have, and we just got to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Well, can you expand on that a little more? I mean, what does it mean to, to take it? to take it, or what do you think it means to take advantage of some of those things? So if we can really think differently in the way that we um, recruit industry, whether it's a a service industry, whether it's a manufacturer, we've got the ingredients that make people want to live in Columbia. Mm. Structurally, we've got some challenges, whether it's taxes or education, crime, we've got to fix some things. But for the most part, we have all the ingredients right here. It's now it's being smart in how we recruit. We've got one of the two largest fintech um, insurance technology marketplaces in the country. I mean, Blue Cross, Cap, Gemini, you've got Duck Creek, Colonial, Aflac. All these folks are doing basically the same thing. It's, it's 
different iterations of the same thing, right? I mean, it's, it's back office. You might be hearing for some of their marketing people, yeah, but yeah, I understand but I mean, what you're saying. Different product lines, <laughs> right. but for the most part, it's, it happens to be a uh, just a technology sure. that's in the insurance space. Hmm. Um, we're really good at that. What are other industries that need similar people? If it's back office banking, mortgage, processing, anything like that is something that's in our wheelhouse. We should be going after mm-hmm. We have the university and its research capacity there is unbelievable. I mean, it, you go see what Boeing's doing at USC or Siemens, uh, they're doing good stuff. What happens when we build a brand new medical school right across from the teaching hospital? What type of research opportunities does that present itself? Mm-hmm. We have 200 people that work at IBM in downtown Columbia. IBM has spending billions of dollars in doing healthcare analytics. We do analytics for IBM here in Columbia. What happens if we partner with them on healthcare analytics? Mm-hmm. Is that a growth opportunity for us? I think so. Pharmaceutical companies, we have uh, two very well-known pharmaceutical companies already located here. Could we add to that by building a research center of excellence here at the med school? So it's just thinking differently in the way we, we're not 1970s, 1980s structure anymore where we just can bring in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Our, our ecosystem does not really fit well within a manufacturing base, only because their tax structure is so high. Sure. So we've got to think differently. We've got to be smart and, uh, and strategic in how we grow this economy. Well, and to maybe uh, play a little bit of devil's advocate on that, you know, you, you mentioned technology-based companies and and the, the growth and kind of the, the burgeoning economy that they're starting here. But I think as we've seen with the pandemic, you know, work from home, mm-hmm. you know, sort of a, a allows you to do just that. You know, wherever you're living, you can also, you know, do your job. Do you think that some of the technology things that we're discussing and tech-based businesses that can, are more conducive to work from home, while those companies could grow their headcount, do we actually get the people here? Yeah. I think that's going to be, that's the $64,000 question coming out of the pandemic is our remote work is a remote workforce sustainable in the long term mm-hmm. you think about the last 10 years how many millions of dollars industry has spent on uh, employee satisfaction surveys and making sure that uh, the corporate culture matches that of what the surveys have said and vice versa and and I'm not sure remote workforce, is the best if your outcome needs to be high uh, employee satisfaction with a maintaining a high corporate culture, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I mean, I, sure. I don't know how you align that. So I think you're going to see some shifts in the marketplace. Uh, yes, you're going to see a, f- a lot more workplace, um, smaller workplace office commercial buildings, settings. Uh, people are going to work from home. But is that a short-term thing or is that there's some elasticity there? Does it come back? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point because I've even heard, um, you know, people as, as we're discussing this this issue just with our own clients and also just in, in our own work as a firm is that, 
you know, the thought, especially even in tech, where, you know, if you are in a work from home situation, what it probably also means is that down the road, you're, you're, that role you're in is probably pretty much subject to automation. Mm-hmm. That's right. To your point about, you know, as companies try to build culture and cohesiveness in their organization, that while work from home is sort of a great feature right now, um, maybe, maybe the bug in that is that it's also helping companies identify what processes and, 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 um, roles that you know could could be automated I, and i think there's a window that it, it'll play out because it works right now for a, a current workforce existing mm-hmm. workforce mm-hmm. but at some point you're going to be onboarding new people mm-hmm. and how does that change and what is the impact of remoting in to work change in the long-term strategy of the company mm-hmm. so I, I don't think that's going to be something that will happen this year or next year, but I do think over a course of time that that'll ebb and flow. Well, maybe let's shift now to talking about, you know, we've kind of skirted around this issue. You talked about, you know, a community full of amenities, a community full of of businesses and opportunities for for working, um, certainly places to live, but in the kind of work you've been doing now, kind of post-lobbying days and you know, you hear from a number of businesses and, and we're, you know, I don't know whether to say we're still in a pandemic, but we've certainly been pandemicking, if that's yeah. a verb, for about two years now. And, and I think we're still learning things um, even after the initial waves have, have passed over. But, you know, if there was sort of Carl's recipe for, you know, that, that sim city, if you will, where, where you, you can control the inputs, you can, you can add the amenities with the click, you know, you you can uh, create great and thriving businesses. I mean, what as as the as the CEO of a chamber of commerce in a metropolitan area, the capital city of a state, what is what are some of the ingredients in your recipe for that that thriving community that you think we we could be? Well, I'll say this: I think Columbia has done very well um, maintaining what we have over this pandemic. I mean, we, we really are. are have, We've not busted it out of the park, right? We, but we also have not seen a, a huge reduction uh, due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I think we Columbia's right on the cusp of some great things happening. And it's just, we've got a phenomenal community. We really do, I can't say enough. What I really think we need to do is, we need to be comfortable in our skin. Like we need <laughs> to really own that we're Columbia. We don't wanna be Charleston. We don't want to be Greenville. We don't want to be Raleigh. We need to be Columbia. <laughs> and how does that look? And and I think we need to embrace who we are and what we have. And that is, if you're from from Columbia, you actually sometimes miss all the new things that have popped up. Mm-hmm. Um, but really taking a look and being a tourist in your own town to say, hey, we have this art scene is really kind of cool. We have national parks that are just wonders. Lake Murray is phenomenal. We got a downtown thriving Main Street that's an envy to a lot of people. So it's more or less, we need a marketing campaign for Columbia to say, this is a really kind of a cool town. And it's changed so much in the last 10 years. Um, And I think the next five to 10 years, is going to see a greater change, which is good. But we can't just sit back and expect it to come without some work. Mm-hmm. 
And we've got to put it, uh, really have it be intentional in how we grow. We need to be thinking strategically because the things that we put in place today will not be recognized for another 15 to 20 years. And so whether it's Bull Street, whether it's the debate right now we're having on the convention center, what does Columbia want to see? And what do we want to be in 20 years? And we should have a do destination planning, if you will. If we want to be there in 20 years, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And let's do it. But we've got great minds here. We've got a young, our population has actually gotten younger, which is interesting, really kind of cool. So how do we harness that energy of the young folks and find out what they want to see out of Columbia in the next 20 years? Let's do it. But I'm really excited about where we are as a community. Um, again, we have all the ingredients of a great place. And uh, so I'm looking forward to see what the future holds. You know, something, uh, well, two things that you said really struck me about, you know, being a tourist in your own in your own town, yeah. um, I think really just resonates in that. I think sometimes it's easy to forget what is going on here. You know, you're kind of in your world, you've got your routine, you've got your, you know, work and maybe family and just other other things that you're interested in and you feel like you're pretty well set. But to your point, there's there's maybe some other things you might not be aware of or things you haven't tried or even streets you haven't driven down uh, that maybe you want to consider. And the other thing, and I'd love for you to expound a little more on this, you talked about about bringing in younger input, younger voices, and, and younger in age, um, how can we do that better? What what would maybe be a, a prescriptive element that you would offer on something like that? Well, we talk about diversity is such a topic these days, and it, it's important for me, as it, it, and, and especially in the chamber world, we need to have diversity, age, gender, uh, but we also really need to think about from a generational diversity. And for a long time, I think Columbia, um, we've had a group of folks that have run Columbia. We're at a point of, at an age of retirement. And then you've got some middle-aged folks like us that are involved. We have a little bit more time to be involved. But we're not going to be around for a long time either. So we need to get the input from the young folks. What makes Columbia, or what would make Columbia place a great place for them to sit and stay and raise a family? Mm-hmm. Because those inputs matter tremendously if we want to plan for the next 20 years. Um, so as much as we can get input um, from college kids, from right out of college, I mean, those folks are have more need to be invested in this community than anybody else. Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, I think um, that stung a little bit when you when you referred to us as being middle-aged. Um, I, you know, we'll, I'll set that aside. I just had a birthday last Friday. I uh, keep having those. It just, it, they don't seem to stop. It beats the alternative. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, you know, what you're saying about about younger people, I mean, I see this with another hat that I wear, you know, on, on city council in, in Forest Acres is, you know, we had some changeover in, in community leadership there to people that were about a, about a generation um, younger than what had preceded them. And I can tell you, I mean, firsthand that, you know, with, with just even different eyes, you know, I don't know if age and experience have a lot to, to do with it, but just a different look at things. 
uh, can make a, a lot of difference. It doesn't ma- mean that change can happen quickly or certainly easily, but um, I've, I've had clients that, that have just sort of reminded me, you know, for things to be different, it has to be different. Right. You know, you can't be different with the same. Um, and I think that's that's a thing that just in my observation in the community that 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 is starting to take hold a little bit. We're having it in fits and starts, and we're having it in ways that are that are not very comfort, comfortable, um, especially if you find yourself um, being jostled a little bit, even even emotionally or, or even spiritually inside of yourself <laughs> by by those kind of things. But it does seem to be happening. Um, you know, as as we come to a close, you know, going back to sort of your 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 day job, and and thank you for kind of following some of these rabbit trails mm-hmm. and, and sort of you know your, these recipe questions. But you know, going back to the the business community and the business climate, you know, the people that you work in work with day in and, and day out. What are some just quick hits that that you see in your mind that if we really focused on as a, as a community and not just the business community, but 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 political leadership, the community leadership, even throwing the university, because mm-hmm. the university is a gigantic citizen yeah. um, of, of our community in, in a, in a, and not just the university. We have probably six universities um, inside uh, the, the Midlands. And so if we take them all as one, how do you see each of them contributing to this um, improvement? So I, I look at those universities is a huge gift that many, many communities would love to have mm-hmm. because they're a magnet. They're a magnet for future talent and, and future workforce. So they need to maintain their level of excellence to keep that pipeline coming. Mm-hmm. What we as a community need to do in our in our political leadership is get all the ingredients right to be successful. And that means addressing some issues that are tough. And mm-hmm. uh, such as our taxes are a huge problem in Columbia, and and we have some of the highest industrial taxes in the country. Our commercial taxes are through the roof, and those you, you talk about people's eyes glass over. Nobody really wants to talk about it, but they are deterrents from us getting mm-hmm. some of this growth. And so we've got to address that. We've got to address crime, and we got to address education. And and those are the big three issues that, if you're moving to a new community, you're going to look at those three to decide where you're going to live. And so the same is true if you're looking at moving a company. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at those three issues, education, crime, and taxes. Uh, but we've got a population, we've got a workforce that's coming, a future workforce, through the universities. So that's a huge problem solved right there. Now it's just getting the other ingredients right. And then we can be very deliberate in the types of companies we want to partner with that we want to see in this community because again we have the livability factor we have geographic dominance if you will with being in the southeast in the middle of the state with interstate and infrastructure access right there so we're in a good spot we just need to be deliberate in how we go after it great well i I think like you i look forward to seeing just kind of what we do with what we have and I think again, there's a growing chorus of people out there that are that are sort of repeating that of let's let's do with let's do some things with what we already already have. Let's become bigger fans of ourselves. Um, let's maybe partner with our our universities more in retention, because yeah. uh, to your point, they are magnets. So they're coming in, 
and they're, they're getting educated. But if our chief export continues to be college educated, you know, young people, you know, we need to kind of reverse that a little bit. And then I think, like you said, some of the other livability things that while, you know, it's not about the new hot spot for brunch or the new, you know, night spot that opened up, but education, you know, what, is, what are the crime statistics, you know, and even, even taxes. You know, because decision makers in businesses are certainly looking at, at those things because what they're thinking is, look, you can have all the ingredients to, for work and we can check all those boxes. But if we don't have the livability, I'm not going to lose executives or key talent mm-hmm. over wanting to come and set up shop somewhere where they don't want to really live. And we can't, to your point, work from home everything. Right. But it's got to make good business sense to move here. And that's what it boils down to. Well, let's hope that uh, we see some improvement in that. And like you said, I think, you know, we're, we're getting there. You know, it, it's never as fast as, as, you know, I think the business community would like, would like to see that. But um, it does seem to be going in that direction. Um, thanks for sitting down with yeah. us. And thanks for talking about a little bit outside of, of what the Chamber is and does. And again, you guys are active on social media. You know, you've got your website. People can go and check that out to find out ways to be involved um, and, and a little more about what you guys do on a day-to-day basis. But thank you for your work and yeah. for sitting down with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.